Monday, October 17th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool stock advisor Jason Moser and from Motley Fool income investor James Early. Guys, happy Monday. Thank you. Happy Monday to you too, Chris. Uh, we're going to kick off the week with a round of underrated, overrated, and overlooked. This is where the guys share a stock that they think is underrated, overrated, and one story that it's entirely possible the media might be missing. Uh, I know that's hard to believe How with, with uh, media today, but uh, Jason Moser, we'll start with you. What is your underrated stock? Underrated. Okay, well, I am going to go with a two-time wreck for us actually over at Stock Advisor. It's still one that I just don't think it's a whole heck of a lot of love, and it's probably because it's not one of the sexy big names in oil. You know the sexy industry that oil is, but um, national <laughs> speak for yourself. Na- national oil well Varco, um, which is the they're the largest equipment maker and distributor, uh, you know, to the ener- energy industry in oil and natural gas. Uh, so they pretty much make and deliver whatever parts these companies needs, and so uh, whatever these companies need. And so the the tickers NOV, and it, uh, also sometimes they refer to that as no other vendor because pretty much that's just where everybody goes is to National Oil Well Varco. Um, it's still relatively small at $27 billion when you consider uh, ExxonMobil is $377 billion. Uh, but one thing that I, I just uh, don't think really got enough recognition, they just sealed a $1.5 billion order uh, with, a Bra- with a Brazilian shipyard. And that, that actually was their largest equipment deal in the company's history. And so, uh, you know, between that and the fact that oil has been staying at relatively lower levels lately, uh, the stock price has taken a little bit of a hit. Um, it just doesn't seem to really get a lot of news, and, and we uh, we like it over there. James. Well, Jason, what is the bear case here? Yeah, I mean, the bear case, plain and simple, is just the price of oil. I mean, as, as the price of oil goes up, I mean, these companies are going to still find it's profitable to uh, continue their exploration. They're going to spend money to invest in the business. Uh, the price of oil goes down. They may postpone those investments, which obviously would affect the profitability of companies like National Oil Well Varco. But as uh, as a company that makes uh, essentially the machines, um, how dependent on the price of oil is it? Uh, as much as it, sort of it, the mean, Exxon it, Mobiles of the world, you know, they they need that equipment to do the work, regardless, right? But you're looking at a situation where if they can postpone those types of investments, then they will. And uh, you know that that was the significance, I think, in that in that recent big order uh, placed with the Brazilian shipyard. And you know, you look at uh, just the numbers lately. I mean, I think what was it last year about this time there were around four or so floating rigs out in the Gulf because of the moratorium in the Gulf mm-hmm. of Mexico. And then this year, about this time, we have more towards uh, the, the number is 20 now. So you can see that the activity is picking up there. And so, you know, I think that the uh, as the thirst for oil continues, this company, you know, will follow suit. James Early, your underrated stock? Chris, I'm going to Dublin, Ireland to talk about Can Accenture. Can I join you, please? Oh, you can. Um, to talk about Accenture, which is a consulting company. It used to be Anderson Consulting. It's actually $40 billion. I, you just wouldn't think this is such a big market cap company. And my, my colleague Joe Mager was talking about it the other day and I, as a good stock, and I, I think he's right. Uh, this is a well, a globally diversified company that has over $20 billion of its revenue, excuse me, just a revenue in pipeline tied up projects. In other words, this is money that's coming to them. They just haven't fulfilled the entire length of the contract. That's really, really a positive thing. It's beaten estimates lately, uh, upped its, its its forecast because of strong demand. The return on equity is like 60-something percent. Cash flow is up. Dividend is up 22.5 percent over the past year. And, and as a dividend guy, you know, that just melts my heart. So this is really, it's not so much a beaten down company, but maybe because it's it's headquartered in Ireland and it's just not very sexy. It hasn't really gotten a lot of love. And this is the former 
Arthur Anderson. I remember when, this they, is, when yeah. they changed their name to Accenture, and a friend of mine worked there, and I said, wow, that's that's maybe the worst name I've ever heard in my life. And it, it apparently hasn't affected It's them. the type of name consultants come up with when they do these studies, <laughs> and, and it's sort of like the compromise name that made everybody happy or something. But now, Accenture, you said Accenture and sexy, and I can't help but go here. I mean, weren't they, weren't they the guys that really stood up and completely, you know, you know ditched Tiger Woods as soon as that whole – Fiasco came well, they, about the, the golf angle. Yeah, well, their sponsors. I mean, they were a pretty big sponsor uh, sponsor of him. I think. Yeah, and they. they when all that's that started, a they, consensus they got rid decision. Quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was impressed by that. They're businessmen. Uh, let's move over to overrated stocks. Jason, what do you got? The coolest ticker on the market, Chris Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, ticker symbol Z. Ticker symbol, yeah, Z. And actually, it is a pretty cool ticker. I give it that. But I think still, really, this is just basically a one-trick pony. Uh, they make their money via advertising. I mean, it's all these advertisements to to real estate, uh, you know, companies. And it's just it's essentially a site where you go find information on real estate. I mean, we've all been there to check out houses in one form or another. Uh, I I just don't. This is where you go to see what your neighbor's house cost or something. Yeah, more or less. But I mean, one of the biggest problems is you can't even really count on whether that's correct or not. So I mean, just beside the fact that the the site is not reliable and the information that it conveys, you know, I don't know that they have any real defendable moat. You know, we were talking before we started taping here that. You know, there are real estate agents who kind of think, well, wait, why, why aren't we doing this? Yeah. You know, this is something maybe we could do. And so I have a, you know, a real estate friend back in Georgia who says that they, you know, they use the MLS first and foremost for listings and information. Uh, they look at Zillow as a tool, but it's not the tool. Uh, you're still looking at a lot of shares that have yet to hit the market. The, the float, uh, the number of shares that trade today on the market, it's still very low compared to the the total number of shares outstanding. So I think there's still, you know, a great opportunity for a lot of pressure to send that stock price down. So it's kind of a an under, uh, I think it's an overvalued and and, and an overrated uh, by the press as well. So how do they make their money? They they sell advertisements just ads, first just and foremost. Okay, that's they a very have, volatile business. Yeah, they yeah. do have they do have a membership that they offer real estate uh, professionals, but that doesn't that doesn't make up the majority of their of their gotcha. revenues right now. It's it's basically advertising. Well, so you could be a premium Zillow member <laughs> <laughs> if you'd want to claim that. Uh, James Early, your overrated stock. Chris, I don't deal in particularly risky fare, as you guys know, but but one stock within my universe that's maybe a little <laughs> bit rich is uh, Kinder Morgan KMP. Is a ticker. This is a partnership, and it's Kinder Morgan and uh, the Dan Duncan uh, Enterprise Partners are kind of the the big two stable pipeline companies. But Kinder Morgan over the weekend just announced that it's going to pay thirty eight billion to buy a company, another pipeline company called El Paso, which is a thirty seven percent premium to El Paso's price, and. It's not necessarily a bad deal, but I think Kenner Morgan was a little bit rich before, and, and the price isn't moving much on this deal. So I just don't know if this is the right time to buy Kinder Morgan. I, I do love natural gas. I, I do love the company long term, but it's, it's one that I would stay away from right now. Is this the kind of deal that's um, going to raise eyebrows among regulators, or is, or is Kinder Morgan still small enough that? Uh, oh, this is going to be the big. This is the biggest energy deal of the year so far. It's going to be probably the world's, or at least the company country's biggest natural gas uh, entity, I believe. After this, so it's it's going to be big. I don't know that because it's midstream. If it were local distribution in terms of pipes to the people, that's something the regulators get a lot more into quickly. Okay. Uh, because it's midstream, in other words, shipping from uh, exploration and production people to the local distribution gas companies, it's, it's kind of this boring, hard to understand middle ground. The regulators are a little softer there. All right, let's move finally. So we don't know. 
<laughs> my bottom line. <laughs> That's a long way of saying I don't know. Uh, let's move uh, finally to the uh, the overlooked part, and this is obviously there's there are so many companies out there, uh, so many business stories to cover. Um, it's almost a given that the media is going to miss some. Uh, Jason Moser, what's what's a story that you think that the media is missing, and and what's the opportunity for investors? Yeah, there are a lot of stories, a lot of good companies out there uh, that that don't really see too much. Day to day, and higher one is one that I've looked at. Um, I started looking at, I guess, over a year or so ago. And uh, they're a financial services company, and what they do, they primarily they sell their financial services to colleges and universities to help them manage their financial aid distributions and reimbursements that go to the students. And so you have 20 million or so students in the country, and the the overwhelming majority of them receive some type of financial aid at some point in their in their. Uh, their uh, student life. And so Hire One sells these services to the schools and the universities to manage that. And then they, they take that relationship one step further by providing the students with a, uh, a checking account in order to you know manage their funds. Uh, they get a debit card that goes with that. It's, it's just your basic run-of-the-mill student checking account. But the thing is, you know, it's, it's a small company. Like I said, it's less than $1 billion market capitalization. And I think because it's perceived as part of a sector that's in the crosshairs right now, that being banking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's probably not getting a whole heck of a lot of love. You know, the interesting thing about this company, they make a lot of their money from account fees and transaction fees from their debit card uh, transactions. And we know that this Durban amendment recently that was passed, which basically capped what banks could charge right. there. Uh, now, there's a caveat there that below banks with total assets below $10 billion actually are exempt from that. And so, Hire One is not a bank, and they don't lend money, but they partner with smaller banks to get this you know, checking account side of the, of the business done. And so, they partner with smaller banks that are under these $10 billion caps, so they don't have to worry so much about the, the interchange uh, caps there. And then, you know, the other opportunity, I think, is just with, you know, we have Wells Fargo and all these other banks that are starting to introduce these $5 debit card uh, fees that they're going to charge account holders every month. And, you know, I mean, I know my wife and I were even considering really switching banks just because we see no reason to really pay that. I think you're that, those companies, Tim, just saying. It's a, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it's, it's just another, I think it's another round that, that Hire One can use in, in their favor to, to show that they have a compelling product to offer to these students. And, you know, it's a founder-led company. They are very big on financial education, teaching kids, uh, you know, how, how to manage their finances and debt and whatnot. So it's just, it's a really neat founder-led company. And what's the ticker? Uh, the ticker is one, actually, O-N-E. Um, sort of stepping back from Hire One, it seems like this theme has come up a few times over the last month or so, just sort of this notion that you've got the big banks on Wall Street um, doing one thing, and a lot of smaller financial services entities, a lot of community banks, that sort of thing, are sort of being swept in with uh, you know some of the narrative that you see in the media, which is essentially, oh, if you're a bank, it doesn't matter if you're um, Wells Fargo or Bank of America or a small community bank. Um, we're just going to you know, tar and feather the whole lot of you. They do kind of get lumped in there. And I know James and I have spoken before about how many compelling opportunities there are in those smaller regional banks uh, that, that kind of get lumped into that big bank crowd. Yeah. I mean, remember, the small community banks are not too big to fail. And, and they often do by the numbers. Most bank fail, almost all bank failures are small community banks. But, but I don't know on a percentage basis if, if that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just going to happen. I agree. I agree. There are a lot of, I don't know, there are screaming values, but they're a lot better than the big banks. All right, James Early, you're overlooked. Chris, I'm uh, uh, not going into the financial area. I'm going into uh, manufacturing, actually. Illinois Toolworks, this is an existing income investor recommendation. The ticker is ITW. 
Illinois Tool Works sort of bucks the, the, uh, the trend or the notion that being more specialized is better. They have over 800 different unique business units, and, and they simply grow by acquiring. If they like something, they buy it, and they just buy more. And, and it seems to actually <laughs> work. like sellout, man. And, and here's, here's why it's so great it is, is big acquisitions don't work out like AOL, Time Warner, that kind of thing. But small acquisitions that are sort of similar usually do if you roll up related businesses, and that's their secret. So the stock is down 20% since July, or roughly 20%. But I think what the market's missing is this is also an opportunity for IGW to go and buy other competitors or more of these small companies on the cheap. So maybe they'll have 900 business units another year or two. But it's worth for them. It's a really stable dividend company. I think they've paid 40-plus years of, of straight dividends. How do they manage something like that? Because when I hear 800 separate business units, you know, it's one thing to have. I thought you were going to say <laughs> that they have 800 different <laughs> products, 800 different business units. That's how do they manage something like that? Their their line is that they are decentralized, which seems to <laughs> <laughs> which seem to fit. Uh, I think that's how you do it. You, you know, the, the the saving grace too is probably none of these is 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 too huge, so they all just kind of do their thing. And it makes it attractive, Chris, too. If you're a small company looking to sell your business uh, and, and maybe re- remain on board in some capacity, you're much more likely to, to do that if, if, if you're not uh, given some decree by, by a central authority, if you do have a little bit more autonomy. So, so the, the people who are selling their businesses like that more, too. So is that, I mean, 800 businesses is obviously a lot. Um, is it like a Berkshire Hathaway where you have everything from candy bars to insurance? No, these are all tools. These are all tool-related. Okay, so they are similar uh, businesses. All weird tools that I've never even heard of, but, but, but every kind of tool you can think of, that they're, they're involved in. <laughs> I think we'll end on weird tools you never heard of. Jason Moser, James Early. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Please don't forget to vote at podcastawards.com. Two weeks left in the voting for the best podcast of 2011, and Market Foolery is nominated in the business category. So if you could click on over to podcastawards.com. Stuff those ballots. Stuff the ballots. Uh, You can vote every day. That's the great thing about it. That's right. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris. Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.